for those who are just coming in, could you pick up a post-it note Oops, um, and uh, write your notes, any questions you might have, and pass them on up here. We'll do our best to address these questions. We don't have a lot of time. We only have 50 minutes, but um, we welcome your feedback and input into this session. Welcome to the session on singleness, being a single in healthcare missions. Welcome. Uh, my name is Alice Chen. I'm a family doctor working in China in um, clinical care and um, long-term and member care and staff development mentoring. And uh, it's my privilege today to chair this um, this panel. And uh, I'd like to really hope that this would be a fairly interactive session. And in the interest of time, um, the interaction on your part would be primarily feeding us questions, and we'll do our very best to answer them. Um, I'd like to introduce briefly our panel, our esteemed panel for today. And um, I'm asking, I'll just give a brief intro um, of who they are, and then they'll, when they answer their first question, they'll introduce themselves in a little bit more detail. So um, looking forward to this time of discussion and uh, learning and going together, and so we'll start our time here. First of all, um, I want to just ask, how many of us are medical students? Okay, good. How many are um, residents or interns? Okay, very good. How about people who are already practicing um, in kind of a position? All right. And how many who are um, already long-term workers? Okay, very good. Well, let me introduce our... Um, our panel. I'll start in a very typically Asian way with our, our silver-haired member. Um, <laughs> this is Dr. Neil Thompson, who's uh, a surgeon who worked at Manoram Hospital in Thailand for many years um, and who now later served as the um, head of OMF USA and now is missions advocate for OMF. And um, the reason he's on our panel is that he uh, is married and, uh, but he did not marry until he was 44 years old. Is it okay if I shared that? It's already too late. <laughs> is Wani here? Is Wani here? Yes, she is. There we go. Well, there we go. So Wani's at the very back. So she's monitoring all his comments. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's Neil, Dr. Neil. And then the next is, uh, in line is Karen, Karen Zayenga. And you can ask her how she uh, spells her name later. <laughs> it's, it's not what you would expect. Uh, so Karen is a team missionary working in church planting in Japan. And she is uh, quite experienced in uh, the issues of singleness and, and has actually written a book for Japanese believers about singleness. Next on our lineup is um, Catherine Welch. Catherine is a pediatrician, board-certified pediatrician, who's been working in uh, missions full-time now for 13 years. Uh, Catherine is uh, working primarily now in advocacy and education about trafficking. And uh, so we're really happy to have Catherine with us, and she's got some interesting things to share with us today. And fourth on our, on our um, panel, and probably I think some of you can, guys can really um, resonate with him, is Eric Leistad who is a second-year family practice uh, resident from um, York, Pennsylvania, working in um, Pennsylvania right now. And he has served several times um, in um, short, in what we kind of short, medium, medium-long uh, missions in Asia. So we're looking forward to his insights from a resident's perspective. So um, let's start. We'll just uh, start off here and 
I wanted to sort of maybe a couple of the questions um, refer to this question, but I'd like to just start off and ask the panel if they could just share what they consider to be uh, the highlights, maybe the one highlight of being a single serving in missions, and at the same time we'll follow that up with kind of what would be the main low light, you know, with kind of involved with serving in missions as a single. And I'll just open that up right now. Whoever would like to be able to share that. And please, again, before you answer the question, just give yourself a little, give the group a little bit more of an uh, explanation of, of who you are and where you're coming from. I'll start. Okay. I like my free time. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I just, I, I run ultra marathons. She asked us to share something interesting. I run ultra marathons, and if you're an ultra marathoner, I also direct a race in Thailand. So, uh, I'm a race director, so I just, it's a hobby and lots of fun for me. So, that's, I think, free time, free time, free time. It's one of the benefits of being simple. And, well, I, my job piles a lot, so I, I just, I'm able just to do what I do. So, that's just how it works for me. Okay. Um, one of the things I feel kind of like the intro here, I'm not a doctor or a nurse or anything like that, but um, I've served in church planting uh, for over 16 years on the mission field, and I do seminars, I've written books, and do a lot of speaking uh, to both missionary singles and also to Japanese singles, uh, so a lot of experience in that area. And um, for me, the best thing about being single is, again, having my own time to do what I want to do. I remember a time when uh, the next-door neighbor saw my light on at 3 o'clock in the morning because I was getting a glass of water, and she was going through a crisis and came over to my house and knocked on my door, and I don't think she would have done that if I was a mom with little kids. And I was able to talk with her for two hours, and I just love having that time that people feel comfortable coming over any time. I was single for 10 years in Thailand before getting married, and I think one of the joys of those years was being free to develop uh, relationships with the young Thai staff, uh, the young Christian Thai staff. Uh, the nurses, the doctors, uh, they had Bible studies, uh, were a group, all of them were single at the time, and it just gave me the time that I wanted to be with them to develop the relationships, to help to disciple them, and then um, when they had retreats, I was, I was free to go. And so there was that uh, freedom that others have mentioned so far. My experience, uh, and again, I'm a resident, took the year off, and I uh, worked with Alice and, and with uh, Evergreen Ministries in China, and then before med school in, in, in Asia <laughs> for a while. Um, but I think, yeah, one thing would be going through the um, medical training process would be the freedom to just socialize and connect with people and have a really good fellowship. Um, I think maybe the hard part of that would be trying to like plan long-term and not knowing if you should kind of wait until you think you might marry to like begin to really like solidify those plans in terms of what country or what ministry would look like, or if you just go ahead and just kind of plan things out until something comes up in terms of marriage status. Thank you. That's very good. That's a good segue. Uh, Eric, you talked about what was difficult, some of the uncertainties about planning for the future. Uh, Do you want to share, panel, about other, rather, more, less positive aspects of being a, serving as a single on the field? 
One of the hardest things that people talk about is loneliness. And that's very true, I think. Another thing that they talk about is that in a marriage relationship, you have two people to do all the things, whether it be the dishes, the cooking, the support, raising, the um, writing letters, correspondence, and all that kind of thing. And then in, as a single, you might not necessarily be working in your areas of business. I'm not very gifted in finances, cars, or computers, but I end up having to do those things. But the one thing that I'll say about that is that in both the areas of loneliness and in the areas of that are not necessarily your areas of giftedness, if you get a support team around you of friends and other um, people in your mission or your team that you work with, that you can get people to help you with those things. And that support team doesn't necessarily have to be just members in your um, team of other missionaries, but I know that I lived out in a very rural setting for a long time, and I had Japanese um, like some of my friends' husbands who would help me with my car or the heating system or other things that I didn't understand, and it, that would really help me as well. One of my favorite scripture verses has been Psalm 68.6, which says, God sets the lonely in families. And God has given me lots of families along the way. I have lots of little nieces and nephews. I have lots of big brothers. And that's just something that sometimes you have to pursue purposefully. Um, it's not necessarily going to fall into your lap. But um, if you pursue that purposefully and set those things up, that you can be helped in those different ways. Oh, I, I just want to say I concur with, with what Karen has said. But, and then also, I don't think being single on the field is much different than being single anywhere else. It really, I mean, everyone deals with loneliness, even married people. Um, and that community is important, but I think the only difference is that I, just what you said, I think it's you have to be more proactive in looking for and developing community. It, it's, it, is, it can be a little bit more difficult to find people if you're at your life stage, your energy level, whatever, um, on the field, or in America, or North America, or wherever you fall. It's a little bit more natural happening. So just be more proactive, but it's really not that much different. Um, I think possibly, uh, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but location that you're at in terms of your, um, maybe doing more pioneer work, like in really rural setting, versus maybe if you're placed in a big city, uh, that also might have a very different experience as a single person. Um, or if you're, if you're in a pioneer uh, remote place, and you do, if you don't have a good team, but if you're single, that can be all more lonely. So maybe uh, know your limitations, how your personality also, as you're planning ahead and knowing maybe um, how well you, you operate uh, in a remote place versus a city, if you need more social interaction, if you need more uh, you know, support in that sense. You know, there's great opportunities for reaching cities and local countries too. That maybe as a single person like myself, I think I might actually be a little bit better in an urban set, uh, setting. I, I don't know that I agree with Catherine. I think I, if she's talking about uh, singles who know they've called, been called to remain single, then I would say uh, being at home or being on the field, being single probably doesn't matter. But for those that aren't sure that they're called to be single and they're still sort of looking around, um, the advantage of being on the field and maybe finding a spouse is that everyone's been called, and so they've already been selected out to be in ministry, and uh, that could be easier in that sense if you're if you think God is calling you to be married. Uh, but if you're if you're already committed to missions or you've been there and you're back on home assignment, I think it's very hard to 
because so many, not, I mean, what percentage of young people that you might think uh, might want to get married would really want to go to the middle of Central Asia or the, you know, the boondocks of Central Thailand or China or Japan? I mean, people just don't want to go there, so it's, it makes it kind of difficult. makes it distinctly more advantageous for someone like Eric uh, to, <laughs> to be going on, the, be on the field and finding a potential mate. So that is, and I guess coming from Neil, that probably is more than your experience too, as um, serving on the field with a single male, and then finding your mate on the field who's also called, and already doing the work that you were involved in. She was getting called. Yes. A little bit of help on your part, actually. I'd like to maybe but spend a bit more time on that whole idea of being proactive, about creating um, things that you need, self-awareness, about uh, what your needs are, what environment you would work better in. I wonder if you could elaborate, elaborate a little bit more on that. I mean, um, I know people for singles, community is often very important. Um, would, you to, would anyone like to comment on how you as a single could help create community, bring, help bring it about, enhance it, or any other aspect of that whole question? For me, one thing is that um, wherever I am, I try and find two older women in my life, two women that are in the same stage of life as I am, and two women that are younger than I am. And it's kind of the whole Barnabas, Timothy, Paul thing. Um, and for me, I try and find two women, and they're not necessarily single women. Um, one is usually in my mission board. One is usually not in my mission board. So that they can, I can talk about things that are about the mission that I don't feel like I'm gossiping. Um, actually, one of mine happens to be a Japanese woman that I meet with uh, weekly and do Bible study with her. Um, another the one that's on the same level as I am is another single woman missionary who's in a different mission board. It doesn't have to be someone close by with you. We do Skype things. Nowadays, we're so blessed to have Skype. Uh, but it's someone that you can create contact with in that way. And then the two younger ones are ones that I'm um, discipling along that are in um, the same church setting that I'm in. But it's purposely looking around for those people um, that I can have accountability with and things like that. So wherever I am, making sure that I have those six women in my life um, and making that community. Um, I have a hard time when I come home on home assignment because I don't have that here. And I know I'm only going to be home for one year and my heart's back there. And so really trying to make those find those women here is a lot more difficult for me than when I'm back in Japan. So that's one, one suggestion that I would have is to look for those six women in your life or six men in your life. Well, I just think that this brings up the, the deeper top issue of uh, more than the need of marriage or family is just a need for relationships and friendships, and that's really on a basic level just that need of, of, of relationships. So I, I totally agree with Sky, uh, Skype. Is, uh, you know, especially, let's just say for my, myself right now, when you go through med school and you get placed in residency, you might have had a great Bible study in your med school, but then suddenly you're, you're somewhere else and your intern year into residency is tough. I mean, it's really no need to break away from your small groups when you transition as much these days and to go overseas because Skype has really made it uh, uh, allow transitions to be much easier, I think, especially with everything. 
I found that uh, some uh, our our own hobbies, our interests, can lead to community. I was very interested in sports, so I played soccer with the Thai guys when I was there, and so there was a group of friends that developed from that. I was interested in gardening. Uh, for a while, we had a book club, and so whenever you um, go out and exercise an interest that you already have, you draw people in who like what you like, and so whether they're single or married, you begin to develop friends. And uh, one of the things that I found where I was uh, at, at Lanaram Christian Hospital in Thailand, doctors or nurses and I might argue like cats and dogs on the wards about how to take care of a patient or not, uh, but many of them were very friendly and invited me over. I was like, uh, you know, in Thailand, you're an aunt or an uncle if you're not married, or even if you're married, but you're older than someone's kids, they'll call you aunt or uncle. So in an Asian setting, there's built-in family by just how you call each other. And so I was an uncle long before I was even married, uh, because there was a family, an OMF International family there of people. And many married uh, couples with and without kids made me very welcome in their homes. And that was wonderful being a single for the first 10 years when I was there. Speaking of that, uh, you talk about the families and importance in your life as a single and your importance in their lives as being an uncle to their children. Um, Are there any other ways that you have experienced in the past or even now where um, the, the team that you're a part of, the families, the community that you're a part of, have done things or that have really helped you as a single? Are there some things that kind of, I mean, we've already brought up the idea of hospitality, people inviting you to their homes. Are there other things that maybe even policy as a, as a group or individually that has really touched you and you have found helpful as a single dealing with ministry or one other field? I don't know if all mission boards are like this, but ours did away with the policy of making singles live together. And um, that was more of a policy in like the 80s, and that just because you're single, you have to live together. And actually, so that was a kind of an opposite thing, that the recognizing the fact that single adults didn't automatically have to live together. Um, but at the same time, if you desire, um, there was one question about living with national families. I know that some mission boards allow a single to live with a national family, or um, you can live with another single if you desire that. And so um, that's more of a choice thing, which I think is a good thing if, you, if that's what you so desire. Um, I know that there are some, especially hospital situations, that you can live on a compound or those type of things, so you have that family more around you, and especially more in Muslim countries or some African countries, you have that situation, so you have that family close to you. Would any of you like to comment on um, the whole balance that has to be maintained between spending time with national, between with your expat coworkers and the national people you're there to serve? Um, Eric mentioned keeping in touch with your support group back home by Skype. Um, Karen, you mentioned about compound setting where you have some support. Actually, sometimes you get support, but also there are a lot of more commitments that are involved with being in that kind of living arrangement. Do you want to, do any of you want to share a little bit about sort of the, how to maintain that balance of how you use your resources, your energies, your time in, um, in your ministry and, and with whom? Yeah, I, I've not had a lot of 
problems um, with this personally, but I know some of my colleagues have just felt like they were the automatic go-to babysitter, or that because you were single, you had all this time, that you were available, like you would switch call all the time, you know, when it's convenient, you know, for your colleagues with families or whatever, and that it was important to just be strict with your boundaries and saying, okay, you have an appointment, like, or you have you know, a date night, and it doesn't matter whether they, they, your colleagues don't have to know what you're doing. If you just want to sit and read or watch a movie or or do something, but that you know, you have this non-negotiable meeting time, and your colleagues don't have to know. Well, you're just by yourself or something. You know, can't you just switch call? You know, but if that's something you really want to do, or you know, or if you, it sounds, or even things like, well, you you plan to take the weekend off. Like I like to go and run races. You know, I plan to take this weekend off. Well, you know, that's what I plan to do. And this is well, that's just for you. You know, and and just making sure that you're not, you know, that you stick to your boundaries and that you have your life and that you're going to live it and that you don't have to just adjust for everyone else around you just because you happen to have a little bit more flexible schedule. That it doesn't, you know, if you don't want to, I mean, you can, but don't make, don't feel like you have to be the one who always has to be there or adjust. Do you have anything? Um, yeah. Related um, to this, I'd like Karen to maybe share a little bit about um, what you have found that you would like to married people to know about single people that might be helpful. And that's maybe, these questions might be good reference for you too as you think about uh, people you'll be working with. Wow, it's a big one. We just had a discussion about this. We had a, a good session at our um, annual meeting about what singles wanted marrieds to know and what marrieds wanted singles to know. And uh, one of the things that can be difficult, I think, sometimes as a single um, is that you're always working, well, oftentimes working with married people and um, a lot of times you end up being the, the work wife and sometimes it's a kind of, well, sorry, this is, this is directed towards the females. And so sometimes you end up feeling like you have to hide your sexuality too in some ways. And so that can be a really difficult thing. And so um, you really need to be able um, to, to keep your boundaries and knowing who you are and um, that can be a real difficult issue. Another thing that some people were saying is... Um, it's hard for me to take a vacation, I think. I've, I've been in Japan for 16 years, and I think I've only taken two vacations. I don't like to take vacations by myself, and my vacations end up a lot of times going back to the place where I used to work before and seeing people. And it is a vacation, but it's also a ministry time, seeing a lot of those people. And um, so my married friends go off on vacation with their families and go to Guam and Thailand and other places. But that's something that's hard for me to relax. And so as you were saying about maybe time for yourself, that that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, and the other, another thing is about, for me, I went through a really hard time in my 30s. Um, I'm 48 now. I went through a really hard time. I think there are different stages of singleness. I think in your 20s, you basically think that you're pre-married. You know, it's, um, you don't think of yourself as single. You're just, like, waiting for it's going to happen someday. So you don't really think of yourself as single. But when you're 30, when you hit your 30s, and suddenly all your friends are not only married, but they're having babies, and you're like, wait a second, something, I miss something. And then I think the hardest time for me and for most women I know is um, between the ages of, like, 33 and 37. Biological clock is ticking. You're thinking, am I ever going to, like, get married? Am I going to have babies? And that's a real hard time. 
Um, 40s, I find that women are very a lot much more comfortable with themselves, much more confident, and confident in what they're doing in work situation. 50s can get difficult again with menopause and the hormones going crazy. Also looking around and at your parents and thinking about what, what's happening with them and then what's, who's going to take care of me when I get older. And then the 60s, thinking about retirement and where am I going to spend the rest of my life, etc. But the 30s, I think, is the most difficult time. Oh my goodness, everybody's coming up with questions now. <laughs> I just learned something. <laughs> but um, I think that, that that time in the 30s is a really hard time to get through. And for me, um, during my 30s, my coworker started having baby after baby. And I remember going to the hospital and just, I cried the entire way to the hospital. And I cried in the bathroom before I went to see her. And I went to the hospital, I saw the baby. You know, I gave her her flowers and, and everybody on the, the floor is breastfeeding. And, and then I just <laughs> left the hospital and like five minutes went back to the bathroom and cried. So she understood, I think, um, you know, Every time I went over the house, they were changing diapers and they're breastfeeding and whatever, whatever. So there are times that I didn't want to be at their house. And then there were other times I wanted to take the baby out for walks and other things like that. So I think, um, as I said to her and to my coworkers at that time, and they really understood, there are times that I want to be with you and with your baby and I want to hold the babies and I want to play with the babies, but there are other times that it's too hard. And again, I think one of the most important things to tell the married couples at that time and, um, is you have to have good communication with them. And just for them to understand, you know, I know I'm crazy. You know, I know at times I really, really want to be with you and would really, really want to be with the kids, but there are other times I just can't. And so if you have good lines of communication, then, then I'll be able to, be able to understand that. I'm going to just uh, address one. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate that. I'm going to address one issue that has come up from several of you, and it's about security and safety, especially in a rural setting and especially for single women. And so, who would like to address this? (laughs) (laughs) You all have experience with this, not as personal as... um, Well, yeah, I'm not a single woman. (laughs) I can tell a story about a single lady in Indonesia that uh, a friend of mine for a long time, Mm -hmm. and she, of course, lived in a Muslim community, and uh, we asked her... Did you feel safe, especially when there were riots or things going on? And she said she had lived in that community for probably five to ten years. And she said everyone in that community had her back. You know, she really felt that she was safe because she had built such good relationships. So that's that's a story of a friend of mine who um, is still single and older in, in Indonesia. Um, I have a team that has missionaries in Afghanistan and, you know, Asian countries or in African countries. Some places, I know one woman who does church playing work in Africa, they have security guards, actually. Um, she's off by herself, and they, they do have security guards that watch. Um, but then I think a lot of the hospital settings are, are not necessarily, you're not going to be by yourself as a single woman. You're going to be in a hospital in a compound setting. So there's not so much times when you are by yourself. So it is compound in a compound setting. And I guess just in the end, what I would say is, the most safe and secure place to be is in the center of God's will for you. And so, I mean, I live in Washington, D.C., and that's not a real safe place either. So, um, yeah, just as long as you're in the center of God's will, you're going to be safe. Don't be stupid. Yeah. 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 Just don't be stupid. Um, I also, I just want to say something that 
you know, there's all kinds of singles with all kinds of ideas about what they want in terms of goals. You know, if you're not one of those people that's just dying to have five kids and all that, you know, it's okay too. You know, if you're always struggling with, you know, with not being married or not having a family, that's okay too. And that there's all kinds of people with all kinds of ideas and comfort levels and like it, we all struggle with all kinds of things in different periods of you know stages of our life. You know, as um, Karen mentioned, that different stages. But you know, if your thoughts about singleness or marriedness is not really follow that pattern, it's really okay. So just don't. You know, not everyone struggles with the same things. Along that, that line, would you like to share some of the lessons that the Lord has taught you as being a single and to those seasons of loneliness? Um, we all go through it, whether it's on a short term or a long term. And again, single, married. But are uh, there some um, insights you'd like to share with people? And how is God working in your heart to do this? Well, you know, and I just. I you know, my thought is that I just don't want to peg loneliness as a, as a malady of being single. Um, and in my experience is that there's lots and lots of married people who are extremely lonely. And that loneliness and isolation is one of the most insidious, most powerful tools that the enemy has against uh, long-term cross-cultural workers. And I mean, it's probably true um, everywhere and with everyone. But um, my experience has not been to have a professional life in North America. It's been as a single woman, and I've worked on a rural mission hospital on the Taiwan border with being the only white person around. And then I've also worked in, you know, mega cities of, you know, <coughs> So, um, but loneliness is an issue. It's not necessarily related to me being single, but it is, but it is tied in, in the ways of being tempted in ways. And I just want to say, if you find yourself being tempted sexually or other ways, like it's just, it's not your fault. You have to recognize it as attacks and messages from the enemy that's preying on your weaknesses. And you may not always be weak, but you may be in a very vulnerable state. You may be desperate. You may be, you may, you may be depressed. Um, and that there's openings in your mind and in your spirit, in your heart, for temptations to come in, or uh, temptation not in thoughts, but in the form of a person. Uh, and so if you find yourself, it just, don't worry. If you're tempted, that's normal, okay? It's normal for you to have these unbidden thoughts. But it's also important for us to be wary and to be aware that they are just that, um, that it's not a relation to your weakness. You just have to really take every thought captive. And so temptation is not necessarily a barometer of your spiritual strength or weakness. I mean, it's going to happen. But what, where that comes in is who you can talk to. You know, are you accountable in some way? Or just recognize it as a work of the enemy and not something that's related to you personally. Does that make sense? Or has... Someone, you know, I'm sure all of us can relate to that, but I don't want to take up all the time. Someone has anything to add? Um, I'm going to put your feet to the fire here. Do any of you want to share about practical ways you can deal with that temptation? Or 
kind of a, from a male perspective, um, I think it seems to me that if you're on a trip anywhere beyond a week or two, that you probably need to connect to other guys in a pretty intentional, honest, transparent way on the field. Um, it would be great if, if organizations would require the men in there on the field to have uh, men's groups. Kind of I think a lot of the things that you would do in the preparation stage and just living in America or wherever, um, when you're not on missions, would carry through while you're, while you're doing missions um, in that you would hopefully as a single guy have men's groups that you can get prayer for and then on the field. I think that's crucial is to have um, really solid male friendships, relationships, accountability out. Well, I think probably women too. <laughs> I mean, you know, men and women struggle the same way. I mean, they're the same things, but not necessarily the same things. But it's not just accountability. I mean, you need to find people that you can say anything to. Anything. Um, and I know a lot of attention has been made towards men in this area, but I want to say women too. Um, um, I'm going to address a question to Neil here because he has a pretty unusual perspective on our panel. And um, one of the questions that came up was how how is it difficult for a single to be a missionary opposed to a, uh, as opposed to being uh, part of a couple? Um, would you like to answer that, Neil? Neil again uh, was did not marry Wadi until he was 44. Can you? Um, address that, maybe point out the, some areas where being a single, the difficulties and challenges you face as a single are different from those as a married person? Just to give us a little bit of a reality check here. And that, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, as I said before, you, there's certainly, the, a number of people have mentioned the freedom that you have when you're single uh, to go out and maybe do more things, to be running around, to be going out to conferences. And you don't have to think, well, what's my wife doing? What are the kids doing? And so there, there's always that freedom. And I have the freedom, I think, to develop really good relationships with single, young, Thai men and women uh, who were the Christian uh, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, lab technicians at the hospital. I had that freedom. Um, I think that I, uh, I don't know how the couples looked at it at that time. Um, I mean, they worked every bit as hard as I did. Uh, um, sometimes I wondered how they did as much work as I did in the hospital and still took care of a spouse and, and kids at home. Uh, I, I found out later on, um, but I, I think that was a challenge for me. Uh, again, the, the many families that were there who opened up their homes to me was very helpful. I think from the couples and families that I know, having been on the administrative side of a home side mobilizing mission agency, uh, families go out with a lot of questions. What about the kids? What about education? Is it going to be safe? Uh, what are the grandparents going to think? Uh, the grandparents can be a great power in wanting to keep families in the states and to not have them go anywhere. So I think all of these factors play in. And exchange one set of challenges for another. Absolutely. Yeah. We do have a tendency to think that the grass is always greener on the other side, but um, kind of remember that that grass probably needs more watering and more fertilizing and more yard work. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of questions here about dating. We have a couple of here questions about dating and um, relating to nationals. Uh, one question is it 
locate a date while in the field? And what about dating locals? And another question about um, online dating activities, websites. Um, this, probably, uh, this is probably coming from, I'm guessing, from the pre-married group. <laughs> so um, would any of you like to address that? I'd like to, um, I think we have one more topic, that we have time for one more topic after this one. So just, um, we'll just watch our time here. Been there, done that, doing that. <laughs> um, let's see. I did eHarmony, and I think Christian Mingle when I was on the field, and um, I was like, okay, I'll take anybody anywhere in the whole wide world. <laughs> but you know what? There are not too many guys interested in someone living in Oita, Japan. You know, they're like, oh, well, that's really nice. Bless you. And <laughs> And there weren't many guys on Oi to Japan on eHarmony. Um, and then I dated guys, um, two or three guys in Japan. 5'8", um, I'm a giant in Japan. <laughs> That's okay, I don't really mind. Um, but um, there are a lot of cultural differences. It depends on the country where you live and, and where you serve. Um, in Japan, the classic line for a marriage proposal is, would you wash my underwear? Um, so, um, yeah, that tells you a little bit about the cultural differences there. And why Asian women and American men works a lot better. But, so, but I also had a co-worker that told me that, um, actually my boss told me that he didn't uh, believe in uh, cross-cultural dating. And when the guy that was dating went to my boss and asked if he could date me um, three times, my boss said no. So you have issues with your coworkers, and if your coworkers approve or not. You have issues of, um, so there are lots of different things. Um, so you'll have to talk with your coworkers and what they think. Um, there are culture, cultural differences within your own country. Um, when I was dating that one young man, we came back from a concert after midnight, and he asked if he could drop me off like three blocks from my house. And I said, why? And he said, well, because it's after midnight, and if your neighbors saw you coming home and with a single man after midnight, they might think bad things. And I was like, no, I want you to drive me to my door. So anyway, there's all sorts of cultural things when you date that national. But anyway, um, yeah, you just kind of have to pray and ask God and see what he says. Um, I recently met a man on Christian Mingle just this time, um, and we've been dating for about a month now, but now I'm dealing with that thing if he doesn't feel called to Japan. And so I'm holding it loosely in my hand and saying, okay, God, you know, are you saying it's time for me to stay back in the United States? And that's a real hard thing for me to deal with right now. And so just, I've been, when I was in college, before I was called to Japan, I said, you know, I'm going to be a college English professor and a writer. I'm not going to be a missionary. And God said, no, I want you to be a missionary. And now I'm saying, oh, I'm not going to stay in America. I'm going to be a missionary. And I'm at that point where I'm wondering, okay, God, are you saying something else that I'm going to stay back in America? And that's another really hard place for me to be. And so, um, you, so final line is there's lots of huge cultural differences. There's lots of bumps. But as some of my friends who are in cross-cultural relationships would say, it's a lot of fun. It's something different. Um, you have to talk with your teammates about it. You have to talk with your family about it, what they would think about that. Um, as a woman, it could be hard. If I had married in America, if I had married a Japanese, I would no longer be a missionary. 
it's ironic that if a man marries a Japanese woman, she can become an American and they can still go back and be missionaries. But if I married a Japanese man, I would no longer be a missionary. And so that's kind of another whole weird thing with the women issue. Um, so there's just, it's possible. People do it. About five years ago, uh, on the Thailand on the Olaf Thailand field, uh, there was a church planner, a black Olaf member from the states, who was a church planner, and he got to know a Chinese Olaf member from 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 Taiwan. And um, about two years after they had been on the field, they announced that they were engaged. Nobody had a clue. Nobody had a clue. Uh, uh, and the point of this is their relationship was so discreet and so above board uh, that there were no questions, there was no nothing. But uh, they weren't, you know, babbling all over and telling everybody that they're in love and all this. But they were before the Lord uh, working out a relationship, uh, an American and a Taiwanese relationship, uh, ministering in Thailand. And they're now there with a couple of children. So uh, they, I would say they did it the right way in a very difficult setting. Yeah, thank you for that example. Um, I, just want, I just want to add something. That, uh, yeah, I've been there, done that, all of the above. Um, but I just want to say that I, not every organization is going to be as sort of restrictive as far as having a guy as yet. That was just my... Yeah. My boss. The other people in my mission yeah. aren't like that. Okay. So yeah, I just, just want to make that clear that, yeah, that it's not always like that, but it's something to take into consideration. But, yeah. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily have to be that. Right. But, yeah, it, you know, explore. Don't let singleness just be a default. That's why I just explore. You just try something out just for kicks or whatever. But, you know, it's just, yeah. Obviously, yeah, Asian men not interested in someone like me. <laughs> 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 Watch your own blooming underwear. God, you send me to Africa. Africa, they like larger yeah, yeah, women. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I would have been married in two minutes. up was, um, what, at what age did you feel called to serve as a single person? So I'm going to go around and put each of you on the spot, and if you don't think that age has come yet, you can share that too. We'll <laughs> <laughs> share that, and also, while you share that, I think, could you add your number one um, tactic, strategy, way of maintaining resilience on the field as a single person, or as a servant of the Lord on the, on the international, in international work? So... What age were you called as a single, and uh, what do you do to, to keep safe and stay resilient? Um, well, like for me, I, in college or earlier, I felt called to missions, and, and throughout college, I uh, was all for being a bachelor until the rapture. <laughs> I really felt like I, there was freedom with that, and there is, and, um, and to be able to be mobile and go to really difficult parts of the world, which I wanted to do. Um, and I felt like, you know, I had no wife or kids. That would allow me to go to some pretty hard places. Now, as I got older in med school, um, I, and, and especially during my medical school years, I think part of me kind of opened up where I was like, no, I don't think I could be single. And uh, what am I doing? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think it was kind of like different seasons for me. That's how I got to know myself a better. And, you know, I've dated in med school and just haven't met someone yet. 
Um, but I think, like, knowing myself, my limitations as a person, um, you know, I do think it would be good for a practical reason, just that, I, you know, I have so many weaknesses, it would be nice to have another mind. But, um, but like, having good friendships, I just see it's just so crucial just for as a person. And I think I'm okay with that is, like, again, like, kind of the essence of, of existence is good friendships. And, and I think there's some terms of resilience. Um, well, I think for me it's more actually this kind of indirectly answer that is just guard your, watch your emotions, listen to yourself. Like, kind of, um, as time goes on and your different seasons, kind of just observe, like, the emotions that you have, you know, because a little bit of bitterness or um, self-entitlement can just kind of fester for a long time. And if, um, if you don't deal with that, you kind of have it lie uh, deep down for too long. And then if you go overseas as a worker, that can just wreak havoc in your life. So make sure you just kind of listen to yourself and, and get help, you know, talk to people if you can't um, deal with those um, feelings on your own. Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously I was called as a single person. Um, I'm still single, so I'm still called as a single person. I don't necessarily, uh, I don't necessarily agree that, you know, there are probably very few people who know that they are called to be single, you know, called to be single the rest of their life. I mean, I'm, I'm called to be who I am right now today um, and to live in that. I do not define myself according to my marital status. And so... I'm, I'm happy being single almost all the time. And then there's times when I'm not. But that's, that doesn't make me less of a person, doesn't make me, you know, really struggling with being single. It's just a matter of me being a sexual person. Um, and identifying, like, okay, I am born with innate needs and desires that God will eventually fulfill, you know, completely and totally when I'm in His presence completely. Um, but I don't define myself. I'm being called to be single today and tomorrow and probably the day after tomorrow. You know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I just, and I also just want to add that that's not, that's, and I'm just being fully, you know, who I am, um, where I am today, um, and then the past and the future. But I also want to say that, you know, people really struggle with, temptation or whatever. I just want to say that because this comes up, and I don't know that we have time to address it. But I just want to say right now that if you have a colored uh, history or sexual history or whatever, that does not that does not disqualify you for the mission field. Okay? Um, that, that there's nothing God this, God qualifies you. Okay? There's nothing that's going to disqualify you for any and it even you know, in sexual temptation or sin or whatever, or any other thing that's happened, you know, to you or that you've done or have been exploring with or experimenting with, whatever. Okay, I just want to make that clear because that comes up a lot um, in missions. So I'll let uh, Karen and you'll finish up. Um, I was just going to say, a girlfriend of mine says that she has an ambivalent relationship with her singleness. She doesn't want it to define her, and yet it does, <laughs> and which is kind of the opposite of what you're saying. Um, I didn't. I was called to the mission field when I was single in my late twenties. Um, I didn't want to be single on the mission field. But one of the things that I remember thinking was that I was standing at the start line of my life, and um, 
I thought, if I married this guy, he likes to have Bible studies in his house, and so that's what I'll be when I grow up. And if I married this guy, he's a pastor, and so I'll be a pastor's wife. And if I marry this guy, I'll be, and he wants to be a missionary, and I'll be a missionary. And I, as I sat there on the start line of my life, and um, everybody else was just starting to take off, and I thought, no, this really isn't the way that you got to do it. You've got to put your eyes and focus on Jesus, and you just start running. And as you're running, you find somebody who's running at the same pace in the same direction as you are, and you just hold your arms out next to each other, and you just grab hands, and you start running together. And that's kind of the idea, I guess, for marriage in some ways. Um, Elizabeth Elliot says that singleness is a gift, even though we don't want to think of it as a gift that we want, but everything that we have, that we are, that we do, and that we suffer is a gift from God. And they're not necessarily a gift that we want, um, but as we have with all gifts, it's something that we have to accept with thanksgiving for today, as you're saying, and then just give it back to God to ask him to use as he sees fit. And so that's what I say. Like the man born blind, it's, for, it's a gift that he's given me for his glory. And he can use it as he sees fit. And that's what I want to do. For resilience, it's just people around me to communicate and uh, planning also for coping ahead for how to uh, deal with the different situations in my life. Uh, I, I didn't think that I had been called to be single. Um, had a relationship when I was a resident in surgery, and that didn't work out. Really tough. But I thought when it came to choosing staying home to get married or going to Thailand, it was, it was time to leave. Um, so fast forward to a couple years ago, uh, our two sons and I and Wani are at the table, and they said, wow, Dad, you got married when you were 44. Uh, just think if you had waited a few more years, you'd have gotten somebody even better than Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, of course. I think for resilience... Um, you know, trying to you, you, you need to you need to have a life, and a lot of what helped me uh, when I was in Thailand and single were the hobbies. Uh, I ran a lot. People didn't run in those days. I loved to run in the rice fields. Um, I worked on a garden. Uh, I was involved in other sports, and these things defined me more than the fact that I was single. Although that was a major part of it. Uh, missionary communities don't necessarily like single guys invading their space. You know, it raises a lot of problems with single women. And so you, you know, it really calls for being very discreet and very wise. And uh, we're not always that wise when we get there. Uh, but uh, I, I'd say develop hobbies and interests on your own so that you can fly if God calls you to remain single. Thank you very much. I really want to thank our panel for their frankness.